This episode of Excelsior Journeys is sponsored by author Mark R. Klinger. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, why I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the little mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. On. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. So jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write home. I'm rather sense. impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to too. be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it is sticks. George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys, part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for tuning in for over 200 episodes. I am so glad that the Once Upon a Podcast Network is up and running, and I hope that you're taking the time to subscribe to all of our shows. We are all focused on inspiring, motivating, celebrating, educating, and even rejuvenating creatives of all kinds. And I hope that you'll be tuning in on the Sunday before Labor Day because that Sunday will be the premiere episode of Audio Drama Sunday Theater, which is the newest show in the Once Upon a Podcast Network that will be focused on celebrating the wonderful art of audio dramas. So if you have an audio drama, by all means, please reach out to me at george at he's got it.com so that we can discuss having your show on a whole new platform. One of the things that has been um, a constant theme throughout these weeks in September is the simple phrase of you are not alone. And I've spoken with different people that are collaborating with each other, that are getting their their words out there as a means of reminding people that there are people that are dealing with the same issues as you. In the case of my guest this week, Ann Putnam, we have the case of someone who is working on and taking pride in teaching the next generation of authors. Writing is a solitary business. It's something that uh, that I've known for quite some time, dealing with it myself. And it's something that I feel that, uh, that the more you're able to get involved in any sort of community, whether it's a workshop, whether it's a class, whether it is, whether it's a group online, something, that just makes this whole process so much easier. And it lends itself to a whole lot of greatness that can follow. And Anne is one of the people that is directly responsible for that by doing all of her teaching in terms of creative writing, gender studies, and American literature. And doing that for so many years is a truly wonderful thing. And at the same time, she has also been incredibly busy as not only an internationally known Hemingway scholar, but also as an as someone who has written memoirs, including Full Moon at Noontide, A Daughter's Last Goodbye. She has written short stories in Nine by Three Stories, among others. She has given literary criticism that has been found in many different collections and periodicals. And she is also an experienced novelist with her latest book, I Will Leave You Never, that's out right now. So it is a thrill to have Anne here to talk about her own history, not only as an author, but someone who is working on inspiring and educating and motivating 
the next generation of authors. It is my pleasure to introduce my guest this week, Anne Putnam. Anne, how are you? Hi, I'm just fine. I'm very, very happy to be here and very happy to be talking about a subject that is incredibly close to my heart and has been for a very long time. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm so happy to have you here. So for starters, can you tell us a little bit more about I Will Leave You Never? That was that is the latest your latest book that's out now, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. It's just just out this spring. And I suppose this book holds my heart more than my other books. It's the most autobiographical And it began with a trip that I took with my children and husband to Glacier Park one summer. And we did not know that a grizzly bear had just mauled and killed three people. And so we were there and all over were signs on the trails, beware of bears. And the kids were little and they were wearing bear bells on their shoes. And they thought this was the funnest vacation they'd ever had. And I had this sense of my inability to be brave enough or strong enough to protect them from a bear. And that extended and I I came home just haunted. And I thought, I've got to write about this. And then it became a short story, published it. And then I realized I wasn't done. And I wrote a novel, an initial novel called Safe as Houses, where I tried to talk about and understand that sense of mortality and peril then on the second draft became, I realized that an arsonist was afoot and I put in an arsonist and the bear, then the threat of the bear became the threat of a serial arsonist, which actually was at work where I was living at the time next to a tinder dry stretch of woods. And that became part of the of the arc of the novel. And then the husband comes down oddly with cancer. And so there's this threat from without and from within also. And their their last name is Penny. And mm-hmm. that there's that childhood story, Henny Penny, who's running around and an acorn falls on her head. And she says, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. <laughs> and this for this family, an acorn has fallen on their head. And it seems like the sky is falling. And the, the major job of the protagonist is how do you live in joy and not fear? when indeed the sky is falling. And that's the that's the journey of these people in this book. Wow. And that's something that a lot of people really need to hold on to in this day and age because there is just a constant spread of fear and paranoia. Yes, and, exactly. exactly. And, bl- and blame and everything that is going on all around us yeah. that there really does need to be a reminder that at the end of this, like we're all in this together. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that's really what what's going to really kind of keep this whole family from really coming apart is themselves, is that family yes. element, yes. correct? Yes, yes, exactly. It's their it's their love for each other and and their care and mm-hmm. they and their humor. There is so much Laughter. And so, you know, when you have a a novel with three kids, strange and startling things happen Mm -hmm. because they're kids and things you can't explain. And this family 
undergoes kind of an odd sense of the strange and startling of nature. Slugs come in somehow and come into the computer room and eat the computer paper and then vanish. And so nature, it's like the world has gone nuts. But yeah. it's also very strangely wonderful and 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 funny and fun. And so that was one of the joys of writing the book was to write these these children in all their all their child likeness. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sp- speaking as a father of a 5-year-old, it's oh, yeah. <laughs> every, every day is quite the adventure. So yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, and yes, exactly. So let's let's go back a little bit to the beginning of all of this, because one of the things that I love to hear about is the lightning bolt moment. And that's when someone experiences something or reads something, meets someone and realizes that that is the life for them. That's where they want to go in life. Mm -hmm. That is what they need to be. So Mm -hmm. what was it about writing that really grabbed your attention? Well, I would say that I was a very bad student for a long time. Same here. And then (laughs) I became a very good student because I read one book. I read A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. And Mm. that was the beginning of my writing career and my, what I came to be my, my, what I call a calling. I thought, oh, this book was so transformative to me. I thought, this is what I want to do with talk about books like this. I want to write about books like this. I want to help my students do their own writing. And that book led me to become a Hemingway scholar. I did my dissertation on Hemingway's short stories. And my association with Hemingway took me to six trips to Cuba with a, a Hemingway group that attended a Hemingway colloquium in Cuba. And that produced my first novel. If we were on visual, you'd see my little poster for it called Cuban Quarter Moon. And this book came out last summer. And I am in love with that book. Like I'm in love with I Will Leave You Never. And Mm -hmm. I'm also in love with the book I'm writing at the moment called The World in Woe and Splendor. Wow. That sounds that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Snake handling in it. I wrote it during COVID, and you know it's strange what happens when you never get out of the house. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> but I wanted uh, that. That was the, the the moment for me was reading that book and deciding this is what I want to do with my life. I mm-hmm. want to be with people who love language and help them, as well as myself, shape beautiful language that says important things. And it's amazing that that one book spurned a desire to do all three things. Yes. You wanted to, you wanted to write, you wanted to critique, you wanted to, you wanted to teach. Yes. That's, that's pretty amazing how it was like, it's usually it's one thing that leads to another that leads to something else, but Mm -hmm. you knew right from the start that you were going to handle all three of those. Mm -hmm. How did you know that you were going to be able to do all of that at once? When I did eventually go to graduate school, my daughter was a baby and I had two little boys. And this was insanity to think of going into a doctoral program (laughs) (laughs) at that, at that, 
you know, with that stuff going on at home. But I did. I did. And that enabled me to go into teaching in a way that was just completely wonderful, that it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. Excellent. That's that's terrific. So so those first steps, what were the first steps that you took when well, when you decided that you wanted to I lost to you and- there for a minute. Sorry. You want to you mind give me that again? Yeah. What were the first steps that you took in order to get to where you wanted to be? Well, let's see. Graduating from college, uh, mm-hmm. married my high school sweetheart, having three kids. I went into public school teaching for a number of years and then kept getting what they call rift, which is reduced in force. Although if it happens to you, it's like being fired because they kept losing levies and having to reduce staff. And mm. I loved I loved teaching high school students. I, I just, they were so quirky and so funny. And I hated to give that up, but I, I couldn't live like that, always being in fear of losing my job. So I went and got a doctorate and then went on to college teaching. But it was a long slog and I never thought I could ever do it. And I only thought, okay, I'll just do one class at a time. Okay, I passed my exams. I thought, I'll never be able to write the dissertation. I wrote the dissertation, and I thought, I'll never be able to defend my dissertation. And I did. And they gave me my degree. And, wow. yep, I met. I made all my kids sit through a four-hour graduation ceremony so they could watch their <laughs> mother be hooded. And they, they, they were so much a part of it because I was studying all the time. And wherever I went, I had a book or something. And they just knew I was this strange mom. They were very proud of me. Uh, and they knew I was different from most of the other mothers. And they, they took kind of pride in that, which made me feel not quite so guilty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so what was it? How would you compare working with high school students to working with college students? Oh, that's high school students and college students. A big, a big difference and and not so much a difference. I mean, you know, kids are kids. Mm-hmm. Students uh, are very immature, even though they have to be, you know, too cool for school. But you get closer to high school students. They are not afraid of telling you wonderful things. It's it's different in, in college. There's a kind of distance. But if you're teaching courses like I was teaching, one-on-one in the office, I heard all the terrible stories of, of the most awful things that have happened to them. And or I would, they would write about them in their journal. So the, the relationship was very, very close, in, but in a slightly different way. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And so what what was the feeling like knowing that the the lessons that you were giving, the experiences that you were giving was sinking through to those college students and they did and they started to actually like apply what you taught them in their own writing. What was it what was that like? When you could see it and when it happened it was it was it was like made everything it made all the grading of the papers and the reading of the stories and i'd show this to my husband say i can't believe the student was admitted to college writing like this <laughs> and but there were those moments where someone finally said i know what you meant by show not tell and i heard this from people who had graduated and written me 2 years 3 years later saying i finally got it how how show not tell is what you meant by that. Mm-hmm. And 
or to see a student break break free from the cliche into something absolutely original. It, it took a long time and it was not an even path, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it was glorious. It was just glorious. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's wonderful. That's, and that reminds me a lot of my own 12th grade English teacher when she reached yeah. out to me and was yeah. really taken by a journal entry that I had put in there you um, go. when I talked yeah. about like, characters that I had come up with that I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with them and whether I was going to just stop them and move on to something else. And she wrote back saying, I want to know more. And Mm -hmm. so I filled page after page after page of all this info dump of these characters that I've been building up for almost Mm -hmm. 10 years at that point. Mm -hmm. And one of them became my central character in my YA books that are out now. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh my, what a story. And she and she was she was a major element of that mm-hmm. uh, by by giving me that sort of support and wanting to know more about mm-hmm. where this character came from and their backstory and what happens next. And then I got to at the end of the day, she added two points of extra credit to my final grade that got me exempt from taking my final exam because of those characters. So it's amazing what happens uh-huh. when you have you know, that's that's why like when when I learned that you taught creative writing. I wanted you on here because I, I, I know, I know just how wonderfully valuable mm-hmm. having a teacher that believes in you can yep, be. Exactly. exactly. Someone who's paying attention mm-hmm. to you and yeah. taking your work seriously and also giving you a vision for something you didn't have yet. Mm-hmm. It's see, validating. Yes, yeah. what this could be. There's mm-hmm. a real kernel here that's worth protecting right. and nourishing. And somebody's got to say that. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to say that to you somewhere along the line, because you know, as you go, nobody's going to do that for you. Eventually, when you're on your own and you've graduated and whatever, mm-hmm. you have to kind of tell that to yourself, and that's really hard. That's that's hard to keep. Yes, this is valuable. This I need to keep on with this because nobody's nobody's waiting for it. Nobody's, you know, so you have to find your readers and you have to, you know, like I use developmental editors a lot. I send work and they, you know, tell me what's how I could make it better. They and they mm-hmm. give me a vision for what was there, but I didn't see. And that's mm. what I did for my students. Mm, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, and in between all of this, you also went into writing a memoir. I did. What was that experience about? I did. That was a, a, a book called Full Moon at Noontide, uh, mm-hmm. A Daughter's Last Goodbye. And it was a primarily about the last stretch of my father's life. I'm an only child and I was in care of my both of my parents. And it was about that journey of getting my dad through the last stretch of his life mm-hmm. and writing it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I would write for maybe half an hour, maybe an hour, and I would start to feel like I was getting the flu. And I would go in and I'd take my temperature and I was running a fever and I would lie down and I'd have to stop. It was so hard. It was so hard. Mm. 
when I gave readings for this, they'd say, well, wasn't this therapeutic? And didn't this help you? Yes and no. It was so costly to write it. And that I'm not sure it was therapeutic in any way that I can identify because the loss was still the loss. Mm. And except that I bore witness to a very heroic story. Yeah. And that's as writers, that's our job is to bear witness to other stories as well as our own and mm-hmm. to and to say what needs to be said. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And having that experience of writing a memoir like that, was that the, at that time, was that the longest thing you had written? Yes, I was, you know, an academic. And so I was expected to go to conferences, give papers, contribute to anthologies and essay collections. So I was always writing academic stuff mm-hmm. and knowing that my heart was really in fiction. But this happened to my family. And I started taking these notes in these little notebooks, not knowing it would be a book. And mm-hmm. I just kept writing things down. But this is extraordinary. This is even even though I was living it, I was also outside myself thinking, this is fascinating that someone has to say this, someone mm-hmm. has to record this. And so I did. I and I did, and I love that book. I keep saying that I love my own work, don't I? By the time, by the that's time, something that we need, though. We need to be fans of our own work. You know, we, it, there are too many of us that are our own worst critics, right? And, and 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 I think we are during the process of writing. It's very hard to say I love this work, and you get so discouraged. It's very hard to keep that sense of confidence. In fact, it's impossible. It comes yeah. in, in ebbs and flows for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I, I dealt with that, you know, quite a bit when I was, when I was basically like adapting my books into audiobooks. I was able to oh, narrate the audiobooks for, wonderful. for parts one and two of my, of my oh. YA sci-fi trilogy. And it was an amazing experience, especially with doing okay. the second one, because Reading, yeah. reading that one, it really was a feeling of like, wow, I actually pulled this off. And, and then so, I was asking like, how, yeah. how did I pull this off? Like, yeah. so do I have it in yeah. me to do one more? Cause I have to do a part three. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That feeling of, did I really write that? Where did those words come from? And then of course the other side comes in. Well, I wrote that really well, but all my good words are done. The well is dry. I'll never have another good word again, or let alone mm-hmm. a good book. And we climb back up, and by God, eventually, a mess becomes not a mess, and then it becomes. <clears throat> you can kind of see where it is and going, and then you you. It's just hard work that yeah. brings it from a, a wreck to something really lovely. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's been just a real amazing experience with these books and now now that they've found a new publisher and they are really kind of pushing me to get part three done now it's just like okay i'm gonna i have to stick this landing and it creates like this whole congratulations that's really great oh thank you it's it creates like this this amazing like you know pressure that i'm feeling welcoming for it i feel like let's let's do this Let's let's go ahead and do this. Let's see if I can mm-hmm. stick this landing in a way that mm-hmm. will do justice to parts one and two. So, 
Um, that's a good way to that's a good way to frame it because parts one and two are are the cushion yeah. for your soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, th- there's and they each have their own sagas of their development. And so now this we have a whole new one now. And the fun part is is that this one takes place several years after the events of the second one. So a lot of the characters have kind of moved on in a way that, in a way that, you know, like I'm sure a lot of my readers have kind of moved on. So I got to kind of bring them back in just say like, Oh wait, you know, there's still this one more. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge, but I mean, that's, that's what we're all about, isn't it? You know, just looking for that next challenge to to bring to life. I I would say that, that I'm just, I'm not as, good a person as happy a person unless i'm writing mm-hmm. that that just is something that my spirit needs and it yeah. needs often mm-hmm. and, and when it when it you know when it kind of has a pause i feel it i feel i feel differently yeah mm-hmm. yeah i feel the same way and it's kind of like what what paul schrader said years back and he said that the only reason why people get into the arts is because they have no choice Exactly. That's, 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 that's very good. And Mm -hmm. that's it. Like you can't not do it. Right. You just can't not do it. And you don't know what it is. It's just that feeling that rises up and you're just incomplete without it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, you, you, there's no telling why it is that you have to do this or that you have to Right. Put yourself through this, as, as I, I feel like that's probably the, yeah, probably the best way to, to to put it. You know, but at the same time, it's just like it's something that we have to do. You know, and because once it's done, once we hold that finished book in our hands, there's there's no there's no bottling that kind of feeling, is there? Okay, like you've you've done that several okay. times. That's 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 interesting. I kept waiting for that feeling. And my sense is that I've never been able to read a book that I finally published because I I would do it critically. And I think, oh, how did I why did I say it like that? And oh, my goodness. I And I love it in the abstract, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to be turning those pages and and uh, unless I'm getting and then that, that's that's a little different. But. It's the process for me. It's the process of creating it that is the value, not mm-hmm. the finished product or what or the fate of the finished product mm-hmm. or marketing the finished product, which I have no idea how to do. Yeah, that's that's one thing I don't think any of any of us were really born with was that, you know, that no. that yeah. ability to really market ourselves, to get ourselves out there. And yeah. w- with me, like that's a big reason why I started this show. It's oh, not so it's it's basically like a means of I know a lot of creative people. I believe in all these creative people that are doing everything they can to get their stories out there or their their poems or their pictures or their films or their their gigs to be up on this on the stage or whatever. You know, there's so much that that they're doing. And they're not getting the credit. They're not getting that sort of feeling of, yes, you know, what you're doing matters. So originally I was thinking, wow, all these amazing people, they need to be on a podcast. They need to let the world know who they are. And then after a few months, it became, okay, they need to be on my podcast. And then, then everything started going, going in that direction. But 
it's something that I truly am, am very, am very proud of. And what a wonderful sort of feeling. contribution to, to the human spirit, what you're doing yeah. really. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, it's something that I've, I hope is benefiting the, the full, you know, the full world of, of creatives. That's, that's all I wanted just to make some sort of an impact there. That's wonderful. That's really inspiring to hear that. It really is. Yeah. And so during your time, you've gotten the dissertation. You've already gotten yourself in that, in that position. You've taught for creative mm-hmm. writing. You've, you've taught literature. And now, you know, like, and now you, all of a sudden you have this memoir out then, but you always said, you said before, like fiction was always the true love, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now tell yeah. us a little bit about finally taking that step and going into that realm. It wasn't so sequential or chronological because I was writing fiction while I was writing academic stuff and the mm-hmm. memoir. And I was just toggling, toggling them back and forth. And mm-hmm. so I'd put a book away and in a drawer, you know, the proverbial drawer, hoping yeah. that one day I would be able to get it out. And yeah, so I, the next big, big project then came out of my Hemingway scholarship and my six trips to Cuba. And I went to Cuba and I fell in love with Cuba and it broke my heart. So what is a writer to do, but write a book about it. And, mm. and so I spent years I kept going back to Cuba and the book kept getting bigger and bigger because more and more things started, kept happening. And I learned more and I learned so much by writing that, that book, the CIA involvement in mind control and how that, how that impacted my own character with manic depressive illness. What in the world was up? You know, I just, you just find things along the way that you never knew were there before. And so I was really immersed in that book for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this book that is, I will leave you never was the very first fiction I wrote that story called Zoe's bear about the trip to Glacier park. Mm -hmm. And I will leave you never, although it started with the bear, the bear became cancer, became arsonist, became a th- the threat that I yeah. you know, sort of transposed. Yeah. And then that book came out this spring, but during that whole process of revising and copy editing and all of that was mm-hmm. COVID. And I stayed, I stayed home. I, I, I took a sabbatical from teaching for the first time ever. And I wrote a draft of the world in woe and splendor, which mm-hmm. made me, go down the rabbit hole of snake bite kits in the 1930s and <laughs> behaviors wow. of the cotton mouth snake and mm-hmm. how you drown. And it was based on an autobiographical event. My grandmother, whom I never did meet, um, mm-hmm. was in a boating accident that drowned her, her fiance. And she was the only one to survive. Really? Yeah. And so I started with that. And now I'm, you know, I've got a 360 page manuscript that still needs work and (laughs) I'm still working on it. Yeah. Yeah. So the writing life goes on and the project that will follow this, if I ever get done, is Mm -hmm. a story about the Russian revolution. Well, how do you get from 
snake handling to that. And I'll, if I have a moment, I'll tell you. Absolutely. My, my, my father died. My mother died. My father's twin brother died. We got them all through that. And I stored their boxes. My father was a history professor and he had lots of boxes of documents and whatever, yeah. school notes in a people storage in Lake Forest Park, Washington. And I was going through this box and this ratty box and this ratty folder and out of the folder falls this little snapshot onto the ground. And I pick it up and I think, hmm, this really looks old. These people, they look like ancient, like, you know, mm-hmm. 19th century or 20th century. And I looked at it closer mm-hmm. and I thought, this is really odd. And then I thought, God, that looks like the Tsar of Russia. And it was, it was a, it was a snapshot oh. of the Tsar of Russia. And I, and I thought, and I looked at the, at the documents in this folder and there were all of these, these documents about this family who lived with the Tsar. And the, and I thought, how did my father get this stuff? How in the world did he get these, these documents? They were so precious. I was so terrified that the house would burn down and they would be destroyed. I gifted them to the University of Washington Slavic Studies archives. And so they're preserved and... They're all safe, but I have to write that story. How yeah. did my dad get these documents? One of them was a handwritten note from this, this as he's fighting the Germans in World War One, and saying, if I don't return, know that I love you. Please take care of your mom. Who would ever give a note like that up to a stranger? How did my father yeah. get this? I have no idea. So wow. that's the next that's the next. So my brain, you know, I can't not have something to think about. Yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> and so, so these, so all of your fiction, it's separate stories. They're not, in, you know, like interchangeable in terms of like a shared universe or anything. Like they're all their own, their own separate stories, their own separate yeah. characters. Yeah. And they oh, all have yeah. their own beginning, middle and end. Yeah. Uh, have you thought about at all, like taking, taking like a couple of characters or something and making them say like distant relatives of each other in, in oh, as a means doing to another, them? another a connected novel you mean yeah yeah no, no 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 it seems like like one novel is its own thing and i've had people ask me well why do you like especially with the cuba material mm-hmm. why you know what I, I my brain wants to go to the new thing yeah 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 so, 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 so that just doesn't work for me, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But never say but never. It, but yeah. but it, never say never. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you, what sort of advice would you have for those who are really just kind of getting started, but don't really know where to start in their own, their own literary journey? That's um, a great question. Yeah. That is the question. And, and, and I have, I'll just repeat the best piece of advice I ever got and that is find a story that must be told mm-hmm. and you are the one to tell it. Yeah. That's Period. great. That's great. And, and course, yeah. And and that doesn't really happen unless you have someone that's there to kind of guide you along well, the way. To show you, I think to show you the value of your own life mm-hmm. experiences, because we often think, oh, 
I can't be a writer. Nothing exciting has ever happened to me. And mm-hmm. the same person who was very influential to me said, you can't, she was quoting, I believe it was Eudora Welty, you can't mm-hmm. survive your childhood without having enough to write about for your whole life. So it's like <laughs> helping, helping students see the value of their own experiences. Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. That they just think, well, it's, you know, if they're ordinary and, you know, or they have to live some sort of dissolute, exotic life in order to have stuff to write about. And that's so not true. And I, yeah. I think part of my job as a teacher is to, is to show students the value of things they, that they have already experienced but don't value because they're, mm-hmm. they seem ordinary. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. And where, where can my listeners find you on social media? I have a website, annputnamwriter.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a website there. I have a Ann Piter, Putnam Writer on Facebook. I have an Instagram, Ann Putnam Writer on, fa- on Instagram. Yeah, I'm not drastically active on social media. It terrifies me, but there you go. It really is something truly amazing when we can we can get some form of marketing material out there because it's always it's always such a chore you know to really kind of get that to tap into that you know what i mean oh and i i am excruciatingly shy i can barely say would you like my bookmark i i right. just have yeah. a very hard time promoting myself just i just it just it just draining beyond belief so I'm I'm a very poor example of that aspect of the writing life. That's for sure. Have you done? Have you gotten the? Have you gotten any signings in as well? Yes, yes, yes. I've had several signings, and then I just ran out of steam. My the problem was I was bringing out Cuban Quarter Moon at the same time I was proofing. I will leave you never, and it was very hard to keep track of what book was what. Mm. <laughs> and then I was writing. So I just ran out. I just got, I just said, I just want to write, just leave me alone. You know, and, and thankfully a wonderful man named Matthew Southwick connected us so that I could have a podcast and mm-hmm. mention, I will leave you never, which I would love for people to buy because I think they would find it quite, quite, Quite moving. Yeah, that's what I've been told. Yeah. So that's another element of the you are not alone factor that I also that I was also very intrigued by with you because it wasn't you that reached out to me. It was Matthew. Yeah. So, yeah. I wouldn't have known how to reach. I wouldn't have known how to find find you. You must be in. Where are you in time and space? Where are you located? Where are you calling from? Iowa? Um, St. Louis, actually. St. Louis, Missouri. Wait, oh, you know, I was born 60 miles east of east of St. Louis across the Mississippi River in a little town called Greenville, Illinois. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I've been to St. Louis as a kid many times. Yeah, yeah. the yeah, it's been I've I've lived here since 2011. I lived in New York for, you know, stayed in the New York, New Jersey area for about 17 years. Went moved, you know, moved back up there from 6 years down in Richmond, Virginia when I went to college up in New York and I just stayed in that area from 94 to 2011. And then if I wanted to start a family with my wife and if I wanted our money to go further than they, than it would in New York, 
then we had yeah, to make a change. Exactly. And yeah. so, yeah. and so we did that and it's been just, it's been just a terrific experience ever since it's almost 12 years. We're coming up oh, on 12 years that, that we made the, that we made the move. So yeah, that's really great. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, it, how is it, how is it like working with Matthew on this? Is he basically your virtual assistant? Yes. He does everything that I have no idea how to do. Yeah. And yes, he's a good idea person. He's just a very kind, understanding gentleman. And yeah. I've enjoyed working with him a great deal. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I have to thank Matthew for that and thank you for that as well. Well, it's 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 been my pleasure having you on here. It really is. And and you have an open invite to be back here for you know for when the next book comes out. So that right. way you can there we go. <laughs> so that way you can promote it. And yep. just uh, just like you know, just like this whole month has been, when it comes to when it comes to writing, writing is a solitary it is solitary profession, but at the end of but, but at the end of the day, you are not alone because there are readers that are waiting to hear what you have. There are students that are waiting to learn from you. There are people that are will that are waiting to collaborate yeah. with you. There are people waiting to assist you. And mm-hmm. this this may seem like you're just it's just you alone with a laptop or you in a coffee shop with a laptop, you know, like whatever. Uh, I, I myself have, have been a subject of many of the cliches as I've sat down and wait and spent many hours in a Starbucks with my laptop in hand. And, but, but at the end of the day, you know, you really are not alone and it doesn't matter if you are in a profession that feels like you are, you're really not. And that's yeah. what I hope that, uh, that those who have been listening this month really are able to take, take with mm-hmm. and take it and run with it and hopefully get their own work out there because the world needs you, especially yeah. nowadays. The world mm-hmm. needs, the world needs those beacons of hope. And that's, that's where, so that's where, so and that's where, that's where teachers like you come in. That's where authors like you come in. And it's, this is our time. This is our time yeah. to, to get to get it out there. Yeah. And we need to write books, not ban them. A, amen to that. Amen <laughs> to that. You know, like uh, that's, yeah. And it's, we need more books out there, not less. We do. We do. You know? We do. We do. Yeah. Of all kinds. Of all yes. kinds. Yes. Because yes. there's, there are, you know, there are so many different perspectives that are out there. It would be a very, very boring kind of world if all we had was just one. And, and, but that's, that's where we are. That's where we need to be. The world is, is calling for us to keep on creating. So by all means, all of you keep on creating. Yeah, that's wonderful. You have, it's like, this is your podcast is like a mission. It's like a calling. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. It's been nice to be in your company. And and it's been and it's been a pleasure to have you here as well, Anne. So for Anne Putnam, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. 
While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.